Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of our lives. Really fun show today with Robbie Redinger, someone who I've known for a while, who you may know from Believe in the Run. He does such great work over there, and we had a really fun uh, conversation today, a little shoe talk specifically about performance daily trainers. Um, and this was just a blast. This is a topic I love to talk about. If you know me, you know I love shoes, especially this genre of shoes. So we really got into it. Uh, plenty of tangents in there as well, which is always a good time. Robbie is such a good dude and really interesting guy. So this was a lot of fun. Also, special shout out to our sponsors. Of course, we can't do without without our sponsors. It really is the lifeblood of the podcast here. So thank you to You Can and to Running Warehouse. Also, if you haven't checked it out, go check out Relay. We're putting out two really good things today. Um, this morning, we put out my uh, conversation yesterday with Tommy Runs talking about how he got a 5K and 10K PR in the same week after Boston. Crazy, crazy stuff. Also, uh, last night we did it live, and today we're going to be putting out the book club episode with Lindsay Hine and Kara Goucher talking, talking about Des Linden's book, Choosing to Run, all good stuff. Go check that out at patreon.com forward slash relay. Also, with You Can Running Warehouse, you can check, get those links as well in the show notes. Um, I'll have plenty of links for a lot of the shoes that Robbie talks about in the show notes as well, all going back to Running Warehouse. So let's get into my conversation with Robbie. Robbie, welcome to the show, my man. It's so glad to, I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, thanks for having me. For sure. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I, again, people who listen to this show probably already know this. You might not know, but one of my favorite things to do is to watch shoe reviews online. I, that makes me a special kind of nerd, I understand. Yeah, but I do really enjoy sure. it. <laughs> and one of the things that has come through loud and clear over that time is your affinity for lightweight performance trainers. I know there's like no perfect word or phrase to describe those kinds of shoes, but I love that because they're also my favorite kinds of daily trainers. I love light shoes, no question about it. And I know that you're a big fan of these. So I guess, first of all, what draws you to this category and how would you even define it? Man, so we're diving right in, right into the lightweight performance trainers. All right. Yeah, I would say, let's see. It is a weird segment to define because I feel like a few years ago, it wasn't really there. You kind of had racing flats. You had some, obviously some more lightweight shoes, but they're usually pretty firm and it was a trade-off, you know, you didn't have those super foams yet. So you were still going for, if you need it lightweight, you need to cut down the midsole, leave, not leave much on the upper and is essentially a race day flat. But now since we've, yeah, kind of moved into this super foam game where, I think, you know, one of the first ones was Nike Zoom X. Now you got pretty much every company has them at this point. Uh, Hoka finally joined the party with the Rocket X, uh, Rocket X2 a couple months ago. So now we have this category of, I don't know, I call it super trainers. I, we, I think we just came here at Believe in Run. I think we just came up with that name like this week. We're trying to figure out what is this shoe because it started out, I think, with the Sock and the Endorphin Speed 2. I would say that's kind of the flagship shoe of that category when it, it had that the same foam as the Race Day shoe and the Endorphin Pro, and it had a nylon plate in the first version. It still does. In the first version, that basically gave you that kind of a Race Day feel, but in a shoe that could also be a daily trainer. And that first version of the Sock and Endorphin Speed was a little bit more on the racer side. Now it's kind of come over to the daily trainer side, but it's still, you can pick it up. It's very lightweight. And we're talking shoes under, usually under 
pretty yeah nine ounces i'd say in the eight and a half or under range some of them getting super late like the topo athletic um cyclone two that's i think that's one of the latest foods out there even at around six and a half ounces maybe but yeah so i would say that's kind of the category and some of the examples in it um and i, we, I guess we can call them super trainers because they're these foods that are in that higher price range maybe 160 180 dollars but you can wear for daily training for race day for tempo work almost almost anything aside from recovery so right and how do you prefer to use shoes in this category you know for some they use this as like basically hey i don't want to have a plated racer so these are they, they, some people would view this as basically like their race day shoe category right other people yeah. may go towards the other end of the spectrum I would say personally, I do. It's hard to say because we get so many shoes that believe in the run that it's not like I have an obligation to test so many shoes. So I don't really have the option to like be selective about my shoe rotation because it's one of those first world problems where if you do fall in love with the shoe, you can't really wear it that much because you're in the middle of testing so many other shoes. So, um, but I would. I would say that I use them, I use them for mostly everything. I'm a, the plate thing does worry me a little bit just because I'd rather have something that's plateless for my daily training. I don't want to there, and I don't know if the studies are conclusive. I've seen some things where if you know you wear a plated shoe every day of your life, it's it might get injured down the line. So I'm more I'd rather switch it up a little bit. But it's they feel the problem is that they feel so good, and that they're so lightweight that it's hard not to go back to them. But then again, there are some shoes in that I would say in that category that don't have plates, like the Asics Super Blast, probably our favorite shoe collectively here at Believe in the Run. It just has it is super lightweight, has a lot of max cushion, but doesn't feel like a max cushion shoe. It's I think it's over it's like forty three millimeter midsole, but it's but it feels more like a daily trainer that can be a tempo or even a race. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I mentioned to you before the podcast, um, just kind of take your temperature on, uh, and it does, it does seem like it it has happened was that this, there's a bigger range of of what counts as a daily trainer from a weight perspective. Like there was a time, mm-hmm. I don't know the exact like date range, but maybe like 10 years ago or maybe even closer than that, where if you took all like say 90% of the daily trainers in the market, they kind of fell within like three quarters of an ounce together yeah. and like in sort of weight, right? So you'd have like 9.75 to 10.5 ounces in a men's size nine, for example, almost all of them fit into that category, right? Mm-hmm. Where now you have some wild differences, right? You have seven ounces all the way up to like 11 ounces in some cases for shoes that could be, for certain people, used for the same sorts of things. Is that that something that you've noticed as well? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the trend is more of those all coming down as kind of an arms race to get the weight under nine ounces for daily trainers for a lot of companies. You know, you're talking about the Clifton, the Rincon, shoes like that from Hoka, they're, started out a little bit higher even the bondi is like they started out higher and then they have all come down pretty much every few every daily trainer has come down into that nine ounce range now you still have heavier shoes like the adidas ultra boost which i'm not sure i would consider a daily trainer if i had to but it's still a running shoe um 
and that actually even lost a, a lot of weight on this most recent version. So I would say it, there is definitely that range of weight, but it's almost, it used to be more now it's coming down into that under nine ounces. Okay. All right. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's good to know. There's still acceptance, definitely. But I think it's like once you see a shoe that's over 10 ounces now, like even the Nike Pegasus is still a little bit heavier for a daily trainer. But so once you see a shoe over, say, 10 ounces for men's size, it's kind of shocking, you know? Like it's, it's where before that was kind of the, the pretty much the standard. Right. I guess maybe the exception to, to that is like these super max daily trainer types right so the ones mm-hmm. that like maybe okay, have yes. a plate but aren't plated racers yeah like so we're SC, talking about like, like the, SC trainer. yeah yeah the new balance sc trainer but even that this this new the new version that just came out or is about to come out supposed to be out that's a that's still an ounce lighter than the last version so they took Good it point. they took it way down after starting out way high and and that was one of the few shoes that was like a daily trainer now I would put that in the super trainer category, but I wouldn't put that in a tempo shoe category because it does weigh a lot. It's not really a fast shoe. It feels like a slow race day shoe is what it feels like. So that's, uh, but which is nice, you know, on recovery days or long runs. But, but that's one of the few exceptions where it still weighs that the SC trainer V1 weighed a lot, but it was still, you know, really a really nice shoe. Yeah, when you think about this category, are there certain shoes that you think of as like the OGs of like the the performance daily trainers? Um, let's see. Well, this specific category, yeah. like the super trainer kind of category, was like plated, lightweight. I mean, I would say and yeah, I guess it doesn't sketchy... have to be plated, right? Like I think of like something okay. like like the Streak Fly, right? Yeah, as something that is like it would not be like a traditional flat, but it right. also isn't like your plated racer, and it kind of falls in this mm-hmm. middle ground. I would say the Skechers Razor seems to me to be one of the OGs in that range because they were doing nitrogen infused foam before anyone was doing it and doing it really well, actually. And I know a lot of people who loved that Razor even for daily, even for some daily training. There wasn't a ton of protection underfoot, but because of that nitrogen infused bounce, it felt pretty good compared to everything else in the market at the time. So, I'd say they were kind of the, one of the ones to really show that you could have one of those lightweight shoes that had some cushion and um, because they were the first with that, you know, super critical midsole that everybody's doing that pretty much everyone has these days. Yeah. I love the razor three, especially for some daily training, you know, it, it kind of fell into that, like that minimalist era kind of vibe too, like where yeah. you have the, like, you know, the, the born to run ethos kind of running through you where you're like, all right, like this, like this is a soft foam, but like it bottoms out quick. So you may, you better not be like clomping down on this sucker. Yeah. It's definitely like a snappy shoe. It had, you had that bouncy feel, but you also had the ground feel too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And for shoes, like you mentioned the endorphin speed before, but the TPU plate, it is pretty pliable. Like if you get that in your hands, even like, just get it off the rack before it's even been broken in. It, mm-hmm. It's pretty flexible, like right off the start, right? There are other yeah. shoes that maybe aren't so, but are still potentially in this category. Uh, shoes like, say, the Puma Deviate Nitro. Mm-hmm. So not the Elite, yeah. just the, the normal Deviate. Right. Um, also, like the Magic Speed 3 that just came out, right, the, the last week or two. 
Um, how do you categorize those shoes? And is the plate any different in those shoes than you're seeing in some super shoes? Let's see. Uh, I don't know how I, I don't know if I categorize them much different. I know that some of them are stiffer than the others, but I'd still throw them in the same category as that super trainer category. And I don't know if that's just because of the plate or the phone. There's just, or the weight. They're all kind of in that same range. Um, as far as the plates, there's some differences, but again, they're kind of coming back to like a lot of them have half plates in them or like I said, Skechers has like their H plate and some of them have different designs like the, forget what the magic speed actually has. Some, I get all the plate designs mixed up. I'm not going to lie, but the, um, some of them have like a wishbone type plate, but the, and even the, even the Reebok, right? The Reebok has like the teardrop plate that kind of starts like near the midfoot. And kind of floats yeah, up. yeah, exactly. But then the, but the some of them are coming together with like the race day shoes. So the, the here's a good example: the Adios, the Adidas Adios Pro Three. They used to have the carbon energy rod. They still do, but it's just different. But they used to be just like four or five rods that kind of mimic their metatarsals going through the midfoot to forefoot. But now they have it's like pretzel type design where the plate is kind of all to get like holds together. It's hard to convey this on a podcast. It still has the energy rods, but it is different configuration. Audio pro three. And now the Boston 12 has the exact same configuration. It's just uh, like CPU fiberglass in there in the audio as well, but it's the same exact like plate configuration. You're getting a very similar feel as an audio is pro three, but just in a you know in a daily trainer type too. Which, by the way, the ball the Adidas, the new Adidas Boston is finally good again. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that because I I'd, I'd had the ten and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Like I do not have high hopes for this shoe. It literally checks almost none of the boxes I like in a shoe. But I was so yeah, curious yeah. to be like, all right, like, yeah. why would they change this shoe so drastically? Unless right. they were pretty confident that it was going to be good. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. So what was so what's so different about the 12 that finally kind of gets it gets it back on track? So I, I, ha- I was on a press conference call or with some of the designers just to, you know, a media call just to figure out what was going on with it. And but this is before we had it. And uh, they're all usually they're full of, you know. BS. And so I was, didn't really believe them at first that it was going to be better because it looked a lot the same. And they said that the, so there's a light strike 2.0 in the heel section of the Boston, which in light strike in every other shoe has sucked basically. So this was, they said the new version is softer and bouncier, which everybody says about every phone right. ever. <laughs> and so I didn't really believe it, but it actually is true. It is a lot softer and bouncier. And more comfortable and they put a more light strike pro in the forefoot you know change the plate configuration and yeah it kind of solved the problem it's actually it's still a little little firm but not in a bad way you kind of want it to be like that in a you know fat the shoe that's meant to pick up the pace so but the landing is really nice and actually feels like like what i was talking about there's other shoes where you can feel the ground but it's also you got some comfort underneath i think they turned it around so it's good <laughs> All I have to say, I think a lot of the technology that you find in the super shoes is finally trickling down. And it's kind of of how it works, you know, 
but the things that we saw two years ago in the you know Vaporfly, Audios Pro, Endorphins Pro, all these shoes is, or even the Asics Magic Speed, um, sorry, um, uh, Meta Speed, all that stuff's kind of like coming down to the regular shoes, which is awesome for us because now you can get that really good stuff in the you know daily trainers, super train, even like even like some of the budget models have stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's interesting with, not to go too far afield here, when you talk about like, the Adidas Light Strike versus two point, Light Strike 2.0, and again, the original Light Strike was, just wasn't the best. It's so funny how like these shoe companies will have certain technologies in certain shoes, but like if you look at other models and for other sports made by that same brand, yeah, it's right. very different. Like you go to Dick's and you pick up an Adidas, <clears throat> excuse me, Adidas basketball shoe. It will say light strike on the midsole, right. and it's inc- it's like it's completely different. It's not even yeah. close to the same yeah. light strike material that you see like on a running shoe. This is like the light strike 1.0, I guess, in retrospect. But it um it's so funny. I remember picking up, be like, this is the foam I want. This right here on this basketball shoe is the foam I want in the bas- in the, in the running shoes. They call both light strike. They are the exact opposite. They're not even yeah. close to the same. It's made by the same company what's the disconnect here? And I was just, I remember laughing being like, I'm, I'm literally wearing at the time I was wearing the Boston tens to the store. Cause I, I'd, I'd shelved them literally and figuratively from a running, from my running shoe category. They had just mm-hmm. become like an everyday walking yeah. around shoe. And I'm like, literally took one of them off and I'm like comparing them in my hand. Like these aren't even close to the same foam. They're called the same. What's the, what's the disconnect here? I don't know. It's, it's tough because they do it. I mean, it happens within running shoes too. You can find, a shoe that I feel like New Balance Fresh Foam or Fuel Cell has done this Fuel, a lot before. Oh yeah, the Fuel Cell is wildly different in so many different shoes. Yeah, and it's all because of you know how much air it's injected with. So the the durometer of the foam, even though it can be the same foam composition, it's the the amount of air that it's injected with. You know, it can it can be a range which totally makes a huge difference. You know, right. so that's really what it comes down to. And I guess, yeah, I mean, no one's stopping them from <laughs> right. doing I, it. Not, not, that, not that these running shoes need any any longer names because they're now to the point where it's like a seven name shoe all the time, right. and it's completely ridiculous. But I I would prefer if we could change take some of that down and maybe add like an exponent to the midsole, right? So it's light strike three so like a one to five scale right like yeah five yeah. being like super cush like really really like um you know pillowy where like a one would be like normal light strike right yeah so you have like right so you have like an exponent telling you all right here's a little hint this is like how this one was made this is what you can expect i mean i would love that i know that's not happening anytime soon but no because <laughs> it's just it's hard enough getting few companies to list all their specs on a website so one one company will have the drop and uh or they'll have the drop but they won't have like the stack height measurements and then no and here's the other thing by the way (laughs) when you're talking about stack heights of a shoe just it should be a number that's thrown out the window because none of it's true and none of it is accurate they each company has a different way of measuring it some measure like no one like that technically I don't know if they follow even follow the world athletic standards for everything. So 
so, some people measure the insole, the sack height with the insole and outsole. Some people don't. Some, for years, apparently, I didn't even know this. Uh, it makes sense because I was always like, why is this sack so low for Hoka? Hoka never measured the insole and outsole. They just started doing it like this year, I think. So right. when you went to the and website, Asics did the saw, same thing. I remember you when you yeah, remember Asics you personally reviewed the Asics yeah. Cumulus Twenty Three on mm. on uh, the Believe in the Run YouTube channel. You're like, yeah. wow. I, I remember, you remember. You're like literally <laughs> talking to Thomas, and you're like, I don't really understand why the four foot stack says nineteen. This doesn't make any sense to me because you're yeah. like, I know it's not nineteen, but it says so. I guess like it's a low stack shoe, and you guys are both yeah. like, I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just like who and. You'll get people like arguing with you about sacks. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, just look at it. It's a high stack shoe. Like, and I know that even that you can't look at it because a lot of times the sidewalls come up way higher than the actual midsole stack. But right, you kind of right. it's, it's like, it's like the quick... New Balance, new, the New Balance V4, more V4 would be like a stack right. of like 75 if like there weren't exactly. actually sidewalls there. I mean, it, it is interesting because, like I said, none of that matters. It, if you know it's a max shoe, you know you're going to get something that's there. 36 millimeters you know do you really care if it's 38 or 39 no one you, you can't tell and the other the other crazy thing is that um so you know how the world athletics says you can't go above 40 millimeters for a few for yeah for race day mm-hmm. every two is over 40 they just do it the so world athletics measures i think 12 percent in from the heel um to take their measurement so everybody just kind of makes that part a little bit less high and then just completely obliterates the midsole stack in the going forward. So uh, even the, all, all the shoes do it, but especially the, like the New Balance, um, our uh, SC Elite, that's higher, I believe, in the midfoot than it is higher than 40 millimeters. The, I mean, the, the biggest... The Mizuno well, is the one that's like yeah, just that's, completely that's, flaunting the rule. <laughs> That's the most obvious one. That's over. It has to be over fifty. I measured it with a. This is just with a rule. Uh, you know, like a caliper in the office, and it was well over fifty. So for my size, which is small. So yeah, that's like. I mean, more credit to him. It's genius. I think it's great. Uh, hey, go for it. I definitely don't hate on it. And if that shoe's awesome, Mizuno Rebellion Pro feels awesome. So. <laughs> There you go. All right, so let's dive into the shoes in this category that we talked about. Um, I'm going to rattle off to people like, but I'm still not sure exactly what kind of shoes you're talking about. So I'm going to rattle off about 12 ones that I came up with before the show. And we can dive into some of your favorites and why you really like them. Um, so here we go. So let me just list them as, people, as we go. Uh, the Saucony Kinvara, the Adidas Takumi Sen, Nike Street Fly, uh, the Adidas Adizero Adios, the Asics Nusa and Evo Ride, which is essentially the same shoe, just a different upper. Um, Skechers Razor, Brooks Hyperion and Hyperion Max, Hyperion Tempo, all of those. Um, Puma Liberate, Hoka Rincon, New Balance Rebel, Hoka Mach, and the Topo Cyclone 2. So I think all of them could be put in that category. We already mentioned like the Endorphin Speed could be in there as well. Um, are there any you'd like to add before we kind of move on to start picking, not picking apart, but talking about some of these shoes uh, individually? Yeah. Well, some of them I have to take off because I haven't run in some of those. Okay. Because um, obviously you can't run in every shoe. So sometimes if there's a shoe I don't even start out on, I just never run in it because I'll just let someone else have it. Like the News to Try or the Evo Ride and this Streak, Nike Streak Flight also haven't run in. 
Uh, but yeah, Tom will fix that shoe up. There's another, I, I know I'm missing one. Hey folks, are you tired of the spike and crash and GI distress that comes with sugar-based sports nutrition? Well, it's time to give UCAN a try. UCAN energy, energy powders, gels, and bars utilize steady release carbs instead of sugar so you don't feel the highs and lows in energy. I use a scoop of UCAN powder every single morning as part of my breakfast. Also, the Edge Energy Gels. Oh my gosh, they are the best. They have that consistent fuel. They also taste fantastic, and they're almost like a liquid gel. They go down so smooth without any lingering aftertaste in your mouth. The top marathoners in the U.S., Emily Sisson, Kira D'Amato, Sarah Hall, Emma Bates, all rely on UCAN to fuel their training and their racing. Emma fueled her fifth place finish at Boston with one Edge Energy Gel every 5K and felt strong throughout the race without experiencing any GI distress. UCAN's award-winning Edge Energy Gels just last longer than other gels and provides a more consistent feeling of energy, all with zero sugar. Here's your chance, because UCAN is offering Rambling Runner listeners an exclusive chance to try six energy samples for free. So six energy gel edge samples for free. All you pay is the shipping cost. Head over to UCAN.co forward slash rambling to, to claim this exclusive offer. That link is in the show notes. That's UCAN.co forward slash rambling for the edge energy gel offer. Also, if you're already a fan of UCAN and you just want to save 20% on all their products, then just use ramble, code rambling at checkout to do just that. Yeah, let's, let's just, I'll do the ones that I like the most. All right. All right, let's hear it. So, yeah. so what, which, which of these, again, if you can think of any other ones as we go, that you like the most out of this group? Okay, so number one, Adidas Takumi Sen 9. Probably up there with my favorite shoes ever. I, I would say the Takumi Sen 8 pretty much falls in the same bucket. They're not, they're really not much different. So side note, if you can get the Takumi Sen 8 on sale right now, which you probably can, you should, you should buy that. But everything about that shoe, excuse me, I think is like the perfect, Adidas nailed everything. So the upper is super lightweight and breathable. The midsole is just the right, right amount of balance to still be the rods, everything works together. The grip is awesome. The continental rubber outsole, everything on that shoe, it just comes together. It's so, it's super lightweight. It disappears on the foot. It's one of those shoes that, and this is, I said this for other shoes. It makes you feel like it makes running feel fun again. So it makes you it's like running, how running could be, you know, where you're just running and you feel fast, you feel great. That's, what the Takumi Sen I feel feels like for me, so I love that shoe. I bought that shoe because of how vociferous you were like extolling his virtues on on the on the okay. uh, the video review. Like you were just so all about that shoe. I remember it came out like beginning of December, and you were like visibly angry. Like, why can't they release this earlier so it could be one of my my <laughs> shoe of the year choice? Like, I wanted to include it. We well, we did decide that it can be shoe of the year for this year, or at least for tempo, because. It came out so late and this this it came out we, we we took a poll on youtube and i think everyone's like no it'll count if it comes out in december it counts for the next year i was like all right sweet. <laughs> but right, yeah right. so so you got it i did get it yeah okay and i love it i will say just like a couple other adidas shoes i wish i had sized down half a size oh for sure i that's i should caveat that i sized down a half size because they run long so i so the eight was a little bit too big for me, and then I got went down a half size, and the nine it fit perfect, definitely. 
Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I saw it a lot this weekend at the uh, World Championships Mountain Classic. Because I don't know if you watched... The World Championships what? The Mountain Classic over in Innsbruck. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Because there's the, the, the Mountain Classic, so that was the, the fourth day, that was the two-loop up the mountain, down the mountain. Half mm-hmm. the course was on like towpath and literal roads as they circled oh, yeah. back to like start like the second loop and things like that. So I think, I think it was literally 40% of the course was, was road accessible from a road, I mean, from a road shoe perspective. And even mm-hmm. the trails weren't like highly technical, especially for those athletes. And there was super shoes all over the place. And I saw a ton of Takumi sends on the race course. Wow. That's, that's interesting because I do still feel like it's a little bit of a niche shoe. Like a lot of, People don't know about it, or definitely a hardcore run. I guess that might not be a surprising for, um, yeah, for maybe the world championships. But, um, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, it makes sense. It does have a pretty good grip. I mean, it's not like lugs or anything. No, and, and they didn't need the lugs. That was why, like, like, right. like the, yeah. the closest thing I saw to trail shoes was like the Hoka Tecton X, which is well, a, a very versatile shoe. It's funny when you're talking about that. I was just thinking, oh, I forgot that Hoka Tecton X could almost fall in this category because it's it's, it's actually a really good road shoe. So if you want it to kind of go, and it's not like you use the, but the yeah, the Tecton X two is probably the best trail shoe that you can buy. It's incredibly versatile. Not if you're in super technical stuff yeah you're like mud, sloppy mud and roots and rocks you might want to go with something a little more aggressive but for just like general trail running and racing it's an unbelievable shoe yeah and i and i've worn the takumi for daily training for workouts and for 5ks and i just love it as a 5k shoe i, I just for me oh, yeah. especially with like these local these local 5ks that you'll get is that you're just going to get a lot of 90 degree turns and yeah, with those true. lower stack shoes, I'm just more comfortable, like kind yeah. of like towing off and really hitting those 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 turns hard. Totally, yeah. Some of the high stack shoes is a little dicey going around turns. So getting, I think the Takumi sends like a 32, so it's about eight millimeters lower than the uh, Audios Pro. So yeah, a little bit more. Like you feel you get that, and that's what I mean. You kind of you don't. I, trust me, I love the feel of race issues, but you can still have that more natural running feel with the fun, bouncy foams in something like the Takumi set. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. And actually, that, I, I, I'll run, I'm going to roll right into the Topo Athletic Cyclone with that, too. So let's the, do it. that's another one that I felt like was Cyclone 2, not the first one. But the the Cyclone 2 is a full P-back midsole. Super lightweight upper. I think I said it comes in at around six and a half ounces. If that shoe had any other logo other than Topo Athletic on the side of it, people would be losing their minds about it because you get that amazing, like fun, like same thing I was talking about the Takumi Sen, a little bit different, but and doesn't corner as well because of that wide toe box and stuff. Um, and the upper is a little bit like. Not baggy. I don't know. It's just like because of the wide toe box, you, you don't get as, as much of that race day feel. But that shoe is so fun and lightweight and just, I mean, it, that is a shoe that actually disappears on your foot because, I mean, it's the lightest shoe pretty much you can buy that isn't a racing class. Right. And so when it, when you wear that, it's just, you feel like there's nothing on your foot, but it feels great underfoot. 
It's a, it's an amazing. It's like one hundred fifty dollars too, which is crazy. It it's and for people who have a white foot, like have a white toe box, especially mm-hmm. they're made for that. Um, I wanted to buy that shoe so bad. Actually, there's a local running store around here called Kelly's in Mystic, Connecticut, that has all of these shoes. Has all has like oh, the wow. Mizuno has the to- like the Mizuno Wave Valley. That's rare Pro. because yeah, a lot and, of running shoe stores don't carry those. <laughs> no, it's like a nationally recognized store. It really is incredible. And it's like super small too. It's like it's so funny. Like the shoes they choose wow. to carry. It's like it's like straight out of like a running nerd's like dream. Like you walk in there, <laughs> but like awesome. it actually sold out. Like I couldn't get it. They're like, oh, can you get this size? I'm like, no, I'm not gonna like. No <laughs> like, way. My my foot size is my foot size or whatever. But like, and they're funny. They're like, do you want to get the Cyclone one? We still have a couple. I'm like, no, I'm gonna pass on that. I'm gonna pass on <laughs> like, that one. That one does not say P-backs on its side. Um, did you did you get it? online then or just it just kind of like that i was going to i wanted to i did want to try it on to get like mm-hmm. a really good feel because oh, I, I have I, I have the narrow foot so like i have yeah. had topos in the past i'm like all right like if the toe box is too baggy for me it's probably I'm not the, worth 150 but everything else like it's every checkbox that i want oh yeah i'm the same i have a really narrow foot and that's why i said yeah maybe cornering and stuff like that may not be as fun but i didn't think it was that big of a deal um I think I wore for I did wear for a workout when I was doing um, Tokyo training for Tokyo, and yeah, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think our friend Kafusi said like basically the same thing you did, just in different word choice. Was basically mm-hmm. like if any if you slap a different logo on this shoe, it's the shoe of the year. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and it's hard to get people on board with that. And honestly, I don't think it looks that bad. I actually think it's ripped off the new balance rebel v3 a lot the upper design but you mean the two I don't know that uh v2, sorry not v3 yeah rebel v2 and I, i'm not sure if it's intentional or not but i thought it looked quite similar um, to the upper so. but this is also another great two. yeah the rebel v2 is one of those that's in that they're in that same category of two for sure let's talk about another. the rebel because like it has it has like this mm-hmm. evolution like you talked about this how the endorphin speed kind of had this yeah. evolution of like pretty much a race day shoe yeah so like kind of moving more towards the daily trainer it seems like the rebel has had a a similar path yeah i'd say similar path it, yeah they both did have similar paths so the rebel one actually didn't wear the rebel one i was like from what i recall from our reviewers it was like oh it was okay and then the two really shocked everyone because that was an incredible shoe that kind of became a lot of people's favorite shoe that year just in general. And that was a lightweight, super lightweight, you know, medium stack, dual cell phone, speed phone. The same thing I just said about the Soapbox Cyclone 2 is basically the same vibe. And, and when they moved to the 3, they kind of made it more deep, I would say, more of a daily trainer issue, which like just took away from the magic of the Rebel V2. And not that it wasn't a good shoe, but just didn't have that same magic. And now I've seen the Rebel V4 and it seems pretty promising from what I've, you know, the prototypes that I've seen of it or how, like I looked at it in hand and it seemed pretty like it might be getting back. It's not getting back. I think it's going to be still pretty solid shoe, but there's this weird thing that companies have done, and I get it, but it drives it drives me insane. They'll have a really fun, exciting shoe, 
but it's only fun and exciting for hardcore runners. So, like, it's a very specific shoe, but it's awesome. And you're like, oh, this shoe is so amazing. And we'll get, you know, you have to buy this shoe. But then they, they want to make it more for the masses. So then this is why the, the Alpha Fly, um, the Alpha Fly 2 kind of was a letdown for us because it's the same thing. That, they did the same thing with that shoe. They, so they want to make it for the masses. So then they kind of smooth out the edges, you know, kind of sand down the... there are so many band metaphors here like i'm, I'm like this is like we could just like do mad libs of like we'd be talking about bands right now and have like the exact yeah, yeah. same conversation <laughs> yeah they sell out for sure <laughs> um and not sell out in a good way sell out in the fake uh let's be on pop radio way now they so it ends up that you take a shoe like the Rebel or even I, I think this happened to the Endorphin Speed. I actually like the Endorphin Speed 2 better than the 3. I think this but, also happened to the Nova Blast, Nova Blast 2, frankly. I love yeah. Nova Blast 1 once you like, once you oh, kind really? of broke it in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, like I think Nova Blast 1, first 50 miles were like borderline dangerous. Oh, but for after sure. 50, like I, I, twice I was like, I can't run in this shoe anymore. I just can't. And finally, yeah. it was like, I got to give this more of a try. I loved this shoe when I first put it on. And once I hit 50, mm-hmm. it took like 3% off like the craziness of it. And I was like, oh, this is my favorite shoe now. And it was funny. It was like almost like going back to the, it was like the reverse of what we used to do 20 years ago, like break in a yeah. shoe and then it felt good. It was like right. the reverse break in of like, I just need <laughs> to break this shoe in to like tame it just a little bit. And then yeah. I loved it. And then I got the Nova Blast 2 and I was like, oh, the magic's gone. Just exactly how that you is- describe the Alpha Fly. That is interesting because, and I will say that's kind of one of the downside of testing a lot of shoes is you never really get, some shoes will get to 50 or 100. Meg gets in shoes for sure. Past 100, 100. You run 80 miles a week or 55. Step up your game, Robbie. Increase the training so you can yeah. do, do all the shoes. You can be the 300 mile reviewer. Zero interest. Um, <laughs> whatever I'm doing at the moment. No, I, I wanted to get there's been some shoes that have gotten, I think the, the Rincon one was the last one I got pretty high, maybe like 150, which is not, I know it's not that high, but it's still for reviewing. It's pretty high. Um, and then, I mean, I guess some marathon shoes have gotten decent mileage on, but yeah, I would say, and then I guess we can go to the Rincon, which is a great view. The third one's supposed to be coming at some I mean, it's been two years now. Since you mean the, the fourth one? Isn't the Recon 3 already I mean, out? Uh, I mean the four. Yeah, sorry, four. Yeah. Um, but it's been two, I think it's been two years. You know what? Yeah. I'm going to fact check myself to see a review on the Recon. Yeah, so the third one we reviewed in July 16, 2021. So it's been two years since then. And I don't even know when the number four is coming. I maybe this fall, hopefully. Um, and that was a shoe everyone loved. Felt like it died early, but, you know, for those first 120 miles, you're loving life. Now, the Mach X, I'm pretty interested in. We, we, we didn't get it yet. I think it's coming this week or something. But the Mach X could be really interesting because we love the Mach for, uh, Mach 4, am I, I'm like so Mach off five. my note. Mach 5. Uh, I was like, I think it's Mach 5. I also want to give a shout out to Running Warehouse. I love Running Warehouse. It's the spot where I get all of my running gear online. They have all of the new releases. They have unbelievable sales. 
They have fantastic reviews on all the shoes and they have all the updated stats and the information, how a shoe fits. Is it too, is it really wide? Is it a little bit too long? Do you need to size up, size down? They have all the information that you need. They're getting better all the time. And I just can't recommend it highly enough. I've been a huge proponent of Running Warehouse for many years. It's a website that I literally check every day, maybe to my wife's dismay, but it's absolutely fantastic. You can go check out Running Warehouse by using the link in the show notes. That is an affiliate link, which doesn't mean anything for you. It doesn't change the pricing at all, but it does help the show. So go use that link in the show. Also, as you may know, every single episode that I'm doing an interview, I always do my five shoe questions sponsored by Running Warehouse. And that's exactly what we did today. Also, you can check all those out over on YouTube as well at the Rambling Runner YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm yeah, like... Mach 4 was when they changed the whole thing. And then the Mach 5 was the slight iteration. Yeah, yeah. And so, the yeah, the Mach 5 last year was pretty a pretty nice. It was one of our favorite lightweight daily trainers last year. And then, so the Mach X with a car or yeah, with a plate in it should be kind of cool. So I'm interested to see uh, what that would be. And I mean, we tested some protos from Hoka, and if they can do what the stuff that we were testing in, I mean, some good stuff. Yeah, I, I really liked the Hoka Mach 5. Again, truth be told, and I know that the Mach 4 the softer foam, the top layer is more EVA based. So I know they moved off of that to more nitrogen infused kind of foam on the Mach 5. Truth mm-hmm. be told, I like the Mach 4 better. I like the I like the upper better as someone who, especially someone who has a narrow foot. I think they made a more voluminous upper in the Mach 5, even though the, the last is the same, but they just have more fabric on top. I like the Mach 4 right. better. With that said, I thought the, the Mach 5 was excellent. I think it's a great long run shoe. I do think, especially for this genre, and I'd say the same thing about the Canvara that you lose something by not having rubber on the bottom, because I think you lose some of that grip, some of that stuff when you're doing a harder effort or you're racing mm-hmm. or you're putting in that race day kind yeah. of vibe. I think not having that rubber does detract from performance, just being able to grip the ground, even in dry conditions. That's how I yeah. feel about it. No, I feel, yeah, I think that's a fair point. And that's part of the problem is with the, trying to get the weight down and everything is that the fastest way to do that is just less rubber. Um, but with like and, Topo and with Adidas, especially Takumi Sen, um, both of those, the Cyclone 2 and Takumi Sen have do a great job of having that thin layer, which right. kind of, I feel like you hit that middle ground. Yeah, you can definitely, yeah, that's a, that's probably the best way to, to go about it right there. Or you can have at least something like the meta speed where they had, there's rubber, but there's the perforation throughout it. Mm. So you still have something, you know? Um, it's almost like instead of like lugs, it's like recess, recess lugs, right? So instead right. of like the lugs sticking out to get grip, you have that, yeah. that recess cutout that allows for some sort of gripping mechanism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah, like almost like suction cup style. Yeah. Maybe they need to like research octopus, octopi to see if. <laughs> We can come up with something like that. <laughs> I love for that. all you, you innovators out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, so let's talk about the the Kinvara. This is a shoe that's kind of been in this category for the length of its tenure. Again, I think th- this shoe has been really consistent. I think the world around it has changed. 
more than like right. the Canvaras have changed oftentimes. But what we're yeah. seeing now too is like the Canvara Pro is going to be is coming out. You probably already have it. I know one of my runners mm-hmm. um, took it out of the box yesterday. He got it from Saucony, so you yeah. probably already have it on foot. If not, you'll probably have it very soon. This is kind of like similar. It seems similar to what you're seeing from the Hoka Mach X, um, things like that. In terms of like, all right, we're going to inject this plate into a formerly unplated shoe. What what's been your experience with the Canvara and what maybe what we're seeing from the Canvara Pro? I mean, honest, honestly, this is almost out of my wheelhouse because Thomas is the Canvara guy. Yeah, he's, he's running, like he loves it. <laughs> I love, yeah, he's running I, every time Canvara is out. Like, I need to hear what Thomas knew, what Thomas thinks about this. You know, he's running every version since one has. I think his marathon PR is in the Canvara, like the Canvara Four or something like that. And so, I've only run in two versions of the Canvara. I think we're the last two. So, yeah, so it changed a lot this in the 14, in the last version. Uh, way higher size, more bouncy cushion than, and it's, I think some people were upset with it because, you know, it isn't the, some people do like that firm, like just stripped down feeling. And, and a lot of people like the 12s and 13s. I know they're basically the same shoe, just an upper change, but a lot of people right, did right. like those shoes. Yeah. So it's a big change. And, it's interesting because it's like how many there's not that many shoes out there at this point that are you know that what the Kevara was and was for so many years and yeah it, now it's evolved to the Kevara Pro which so I just kind of I'm really stacked behind on shoes because I was kind of injured after Boston so I essentially took a few weeks off and so I got all these shoes at the same time including the Kevara Pro and having like a pro run. runner it's like an injury like sidelines your entire career pretty much i mean the good <laughs> news is that like enough people on our team get their shoes so they can kind of carry the weight but but the, yeah the convar pro is it's almost i'm not even sure why the shoe even exists which i'm still trying to figure that out because there's the endorphin speed um, obviously an endorphin pro you have so and then there's just shoes in the middle with you know the daily trainers or conference shoes like the ride and all those but it's definitely i from what i can tell and i maybe i can read i think we're about to i think meg or someone did the review on it i was actually going to pull it up to see what it would run off but it might take too long so but it, it definitely seems like it's going to be yeah in that range of the super trainers you know um and then i guess we'll just see exactly how it fits in now let me see real quick here oh i'm looking at our trello card and one of our reviewers said just did eight in these so nice so i guess that counts that's a review done wrap it up um but yeah with the but since it does have power on pv um in it it's going to be you know you're going to get that really nice feel that you get in the race day shoes and and this is Saucony's first first like dual layer effort right right? we see other other companies have done this Saucony has not done the dual layer thing yeah they're all about the single layer right so this has the or, or you know they do like the sock liners like you know power on pb or whatever um the, the or power run plus they'll have different sock liners and stuff like that 
but yeah, this is dual layer. So you got the power on PB on the top and then the power on, um, the power on the bottom, that power on plus stock liner, which is like all very confusing and no one really knows what it means except for the PB part. Um, like I, I remember getting the breakdown of like the power on power on PB power on plus, And I think there was another one. And I was like, why are you doing this to me? This and also confusing. the power run is different in every shoe. So like, go figure that out. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like you pick up uh, the Saucony Axon three. You're like, Oh, power run midsole. You pick up the Saucony Axon two. You're like, this oh, is the same midsole. These are completely different. Totally different. Yeah. But then, and then the Kavar pro has that three quarters, uh, you know, carbon fiber plate too. So it's definitely in that same range as the other ones. And I don't know, part of me thinks that it's just like this new category that people started and everyone's like, Oh, we got to make a shoe for that. And we got to have a plate, got to have high stock, got to have super foam in some way, got to be lightweight and yeah, let's make it. So, but you're, you're right uh, though. Like they already have that shoe. In fact, they have the most popular one. Right. So that's, that's why I'm a little bit confused about the whole, why the Convara Pro even needs to exist when you have, and maybe, and maybe that takes the place of like the, the more exciting version of the endorphin speed, you know, the endorphin speed, seems to be more of a daily trainer to leaning towards that realm. So the Kavara Pro is like the more exciting version. I guess you're splitting hairs at that point, but at least you have, you know, something that's quick and fun and fast. And because I want to say the, the Norman Speed 3, I want to say that's a race day too. Like I would never, I probably wouldn't wear that for a race day, but the Kavara Pro could be a, like a budget race day shoe. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this question for like the race day category. Would you count the Endorphin Speed 3 as a marathon racer for people who just don't want something super aggressive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, and so that's like a weird, so that's another weird <laughs> subcategory is that <laughs> when you talk marathon shoes, there is like, I feel like first time marathon shoes is also another category than say more experienced marathon shoes. Because I think for a first-time marathoner, something like the Asics Super Blast, uh, or even the SC Trainer, as heavy as it is, would be a fantastic race day shoe. Emily Heller ran ran her marathon a year and a half ago in that shoe. It had, it thought that was a good experience. Oh, I didn't even realize she did. And which one? The uh, SC Trainer? Yeah. Or the Yeah, I didn't realize she no, did that. No, you know what? Okay. I'm lying. It was the Hoka Bondi X. Oh, well, either way. I, I mean, confused same it. deal. Yeah, it's it's, it's same essentially deal. the same shoe. Yeah. That um, but that's what I mean. Those those types of shoes, they they give you that race day feel with a ton of comfort, and like, yeah, I mean, pace is subjective. Just you can still be running hard at your. But time on feet isn't subjective, right? If you're out there for four right. or five hours, like you need the, something it, comfortable. Exactly. So if you're a first time marathon and running four and a half, five hours, you don't want to run in, you know, something that, like the E6. Meta speed, you know, that's oh god, oh god, like I mean, way I too love, firm. Yeah, the crazy thing is, like, I love the meta speed, the feel of it, and everything, but it does compared to other race day shoes will destroy, like, wreck your legs. Because, um, like, I ran in the meta speed for Tokyo, and walking was and then, but we were in Tokyo, so I still walk like 12 miles a day. Um, <laughs> Wait, how many is like twenty five thousand steps? That's like probably ten miles. Yeah. yeah, 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 ten to twelve. Yeah. Anyways, so like I was like I would say I was more limping or looked like I just ridden a horse for a week straight. But the but then I wore the Audios Pro Three for Boston Marathon. What a month later, 
six weeks later and no totally fine the next day like in a ramp faster well see it's it's the, the uh you know the a6 meta speed allowed you to do that you know they toughened you up for boston so they, they were yeah. they were the I, ultimate yeah, was, stimulus to get you ready that's what happened yeah i was <laughs> but but the thing is i really do love that too like that's yeah. one of my favorite feeling shoes um and i've and that too. So maybe that's probably more in the maybe keep it down below half marathon shoe. Yeah, I agree. I for that shoe, I think no matter the distance, I think running over over two hours in that shoe was tough. Right. I just yeah. You know, whether it was, whether for me it was like a really like a like a a, a long run shoe with pay like long run with pace or workouts or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like I just I just whenever I took it longer than that, like it was so firm, the the foam combined with a stiff plate like yeah again my own my own biomechanics like my left foot would fall asleep all the time in that shoe it was funny. Oh, like, wow. my best long run ever is in that shoe <laughs> and my that's foot hilarious. was asleep for like a third of it that's amazing yeah i love that i love that shoe because of that stiff plate. i love the snappy what i'm talking about the meta speed edge specifically i like it more than the sky and that's even firmer and snappier so i like the just that toe and it has that roll, you know, kind of that roll and then snap off the toe. Um, and I love it for race day. And what's awesome is that the Hoka Rocket X2 feels similar to that, but it has more, it feels more cushion, you know. And that's probably, if I can, that's probably what I'll wear if I don't have any obligations. That's probably what. The Hoka Rocket X2 is probably what I would go with. All right. Well, we'll get those questions in a second. I can't wait to do the five shoe questions sponsored by Running Warehouse. Before we do, last question, um, going a little far afield of what we're currently talking about, but this is something I wanted to ask you for a while. About a year ago, I put out a poll on Instagram uh, in preparation for launching Relay, um, where I just asked people who their favorite writers were in the running community. And one of the people who actually I know very well responded, you, which was news to me, not because I didn't know you, but because I didn't know that you were a writer. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I feel like an idiot. I know Robbie. (laughs) I've talked to Robbie. What am I missing? You are an excellent writer. So talk to me about that part of the like, whether you call it a hobby or whatever, but that Mm -hmm. part of your life and how you try to bring that along while you're doing all of this stuff for believe in the run. It doesn't lend itself to maybe that, that skill set uh, quite as much. Yeah. I mean, there, I definitely do a lot of writing after believe in the run. I would say m- maybe more editing or writing. Obviously I write few reviews and roundups. I do a lot of the gear roundups for believe in the run. Uh, I edit pretty much a lot of the stuff, not all the reviews, but all of like the news stories. I write those and everything else or commentary type things. Um, for up until the early this year, I, pre- I wrote, you know, every Instagram caption on believe for believe the run. Um, and I've kind of been more in the editor role this year. So Meg's taken over the Instagram stuff, um, which is a huge <laughs> way off my shoulders. Um, even though it's fun to do, but I, I, I'm trying to focus on the website, kind of get, get that, um, more, you know, substance in there. And so I do a lot of writing for that and, you know, writing or rewriting, ghostwriting, writing for myself, things for believe in the run. And we have a weekly email that's kind of like flexes more of my creative, like fun muscle where it's, 
the kind of the it's basically our weekly email is just our what reviews we did the week and then at the end basically an hour before the workday ends i'm like oh shoot i had to write something and just come that, up with it every newsletter i've ever written was exactly that situation yeah come up with a topic off the top of my head it's actually kind of a fun creative exercise to see if i can do it um and it usually works out but that's so there's that and then like i've written for some publications in the past not right now because it's a bit of a conflict maybe with believe in the run but like runners were old and i've done a couple things for them and yeah so i try to flex it as much as i can definitely would like to do it more just like yeah i'd say this year i mean it's definitely something that i've you know done for a long time probably not to the dedication level that i should but you know with believe in the run i did i do a lot of writing and editing and stuff like that so I, it is fun getting to do all that because it's cool to see how quick quickly stuff comes to me now and it comes out like I can get things done really fast now and so I'm hoping to definitely you know flex that muscle some more and yeah just it is I I do love to write I think it's probably my best talent of anything that I have (laughs) um and the interestingly the way that I kind of got into shoe reviews well I have was writing I have an English background I wrote you know have written to some degree my whole life and um i also was had a job as a technical writer or editing technical documents for for the coast guard so that kind of lent itself that mindset of writing technical stuff with creative writing kind of set me up pretty well for believe in the run because you have to be able to break down technical elements of something and convey it in a way that people can understand, which is a pretty hard thing to do. It's like, cause I, it's easy to make things people... sound complicated. It's hard to, it's hard to make complicated things sound easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so that's one of the things when we're trying to find people who write for believe in the run or stuff like that, it, or new reviewers, it's um, being able to do that in a way that's creative and not boring basically. Um, yeah, so I, I appreciate you saying that. That's it's really means a lot to me when someone says they like the stuff that I write, of course, and it's something I like to do and I have to do more of. So yeah, I appreciate that. No, my pleasure. And and it kind of reminds me of someone you'd see like like a beat writer, like following a sports team, right? <laughs> they're doing in like their daily stuff and they're putting they're, yeah. they're writing constantly, right? But it's yeah. different. Like they you take them out of that and you're like, Okay, and now we want you to write like a feature story on this topic, right? It's mm-hmm. like technically the same but it's a very different skill set and the construction of it is so different and things like that um mm-hmm. so again you, you do you do it so well so i'm excited to anytime you got stuff out there like i'm definitely gonna be reading it so thank you for doing <laughs> Appreciate that. it. yeah All definitely right. thank you well then let's hit the five shoe questions sponsored by running warehouse this is a breakout over on youtube as well if you go to the, the rambling runner youtube channel you can be one of the dozens of people who watch these which is always wow. exciting shout out <laughs> so, to connor he's listening connor from running warehouse i'm shouting him out there you go there you go all (laughs) right so let's dive into the first question which is what is your favorite daily trainer currently uh 
right now, I mean, I am testing it right now, but I think it's going to be my favorite daily trainer of 2023. Skechers Go Run Ride 11. Oh, See, you've been carrying Skechers water for a long time. I'm a big Skechers fan, and I appreciate you. You like Skechers more than anyone that believes in the run. I'm a big Skechers fan, so I'm so excited by this pick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I literally don't I don't care about the stigma. I know Skechers is the least cool brand of all time. The their logo needs to be burned to the ground and just rot. Not even rise like the Phoenix. Get it out of here. And they. <laughs> But they make amazing. They make great shoes. The Max Road Five, still one of my favorite shoes of all time. This the uh, Go Run Ride Eleven is like the Max Road Five, but with a better upper and just a better shoe. Not as much, not as much roll because there's more rubber. It's just kind of like the Max Road Five is like broken up midsole where you kind of like rolled a lot smoother. This is more of a. I don't want to say blocky. It's a little bit more of just like. Yeah, you don't get that roll through the stride, but the feeling of it is amazing. It's so nice. See, I was a huge fan, still am, of the Ride 10s. I would say that I was, the upper wasn't quite as dialed, I could imagine, for especially for wide-footed folk. In addition, I could see people who like higher sack shoe not quite liking the stack height in the forefoot. But I thought that shoe was absolutely fantastic and easily could have been in this category that we were talking about. Um, mm-hmm. how, would it, how would you compare the 10 to the 11? Uh, I, you know, I didn't run in the 10. Um, what's funny though, is that I, that's the shoe, pretty much anyone that starts running, that's like, Hey, what shoe should I buy? I always tell them Skechers ride. Everyone always loves it. So it's one of those shoes that's very, at least in the past, it's like, it's pretty much fit in any, like anyone who's running is going to put that shoe on and be like, Oh, this is a really nice running shoe, you know? It's not gonna mess with their style. It's not gonna. Do, it's just gonna be a good running shoe. So I always feel like that's like if I'm ever telling anyone to buy a running shoe to start out, get this. Get this run. And then um, this version is just they added more foam. The midsole, it's their hyperburst ice, which is so bouncy. It's so nice, not unstable. The upper they finally have a nice upper on this too, which is like. I've been hoping for decades, it seems like. But it's it's it might be a little too much for the summertime, but it's super comfortable. It actually fits your foot properly. There's no baggy materials or anything like that. It's it's nice. You get a great lockdown. And I'm like, finally, Skechers has figured out how to build an upper despite having a one hundred thousand different shoes that they ripped off the patents for from other companies. Like <laughs> they finally they finally figured out how to make an upper on a running shoe. Um, yeah, and I think it's really, I think it's just a really nice shoe. And it's like $130, something ridiculous. Yeah. There you go. And, and they always last because they, they always have that Goodyear rubber on the bottom, which is always like, I've oh, never had yeah. an issue with ever. Yeah, no, it's great. No, no problem with that. Um, so Second yeah, I would question. say that's my oh. daily trainer of the moment. Yeah. I also like the on cloud surfer, which is wild because I've hated it on for, on for so long, but the cloud surfer. I couldn't believe is, it. I just wanted you to keep the bit going. Robbie, I wanted you to keep the beat going for the entire tenure of your time believing the run as like the in-house on hater. Trust me. And it's not like something I enjoy doing. I've always rooted for them to do well because I always thought their shoes looked cool. Like I I could tell a lot of thought goes into their design and stuff. 
And I always said if they could just lose that speedboard and kind of figure it out, and they did. So they lost the speedboard, softened up the foam, and it's a yeah, it's a really nice shoe. And I think they're really, and we just got the Cloud Boom Echo Three in, so I'm gonna interested to try that out. Oh yeah, I talked to Tommy Runs yesterday, and he wore it at a recent race, and he was like, "Oh my god, this shoe is great." He loves it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's P-Vax midsole with plays. It's going to be good. <laughs> for sure, for sure. All right, second question. We've already hinted at it already in this show. What's your favorite race day shoe? Uh, yeah, if I had to pick right now, it would be a race in the Hoke at Rocket X2. That being said, I did love the Audios Pro 3 by Adidas when it ran it at the Boston Marathon thought it was really nice um the only issue i and i don't know if this is true or not i did a 20 mile long run in the week before and it had like a weird thing going on i was like oh my foot like this is my second toe and then it like kind of went away during the week and then crosses again the race and basically had that's why i took the time off um, and i was a little nervous it was I don't know if it was a shoe or if it was a, you know, whatever. Robbie, I'll tell you, I had that exact same issue in the Audios Pro 2. Did you? In my left foot. So, like, you know, so you run on capped roads, like, for me, like, my left foot yeah. would be my, like, the, the one that's kind of, like, getting more of the weight if, like, you run on a capped road. Right, right, anyway, right. my right foot, no problem. And Lightstrike Pro is my favorite yeah, foam. same, same. The left foot, after after my first run, didn't happen the first run, my second run and every run thereafter, I had a, a pain in a very similar spot, and it had to have been from the rods. So that so I, I think you're right because, okay, so I'm not crazy. Um, and here's why, and here's why I think I am right, and you're right too, is that I told you how the Boston 12 has the same rod configuration and everything, plate. So I'm... My foot's been fine for a few weeks now. And so I ran, I'm testing out the Boston 12 and I ran in it six miles in it. And then I was doing like four miles in it yesterday. And I, it didn't, I could tell like it was about to start hurting. You know what I mean? Like I I was like, it didn't hurt yet, but I was like, I can tell something's like going on where if I run, like say I do a long run in the shoe, I feel like it's going to come back. And I think that's why, because they're rod, you know, you know the what the configuration of that plate and rods is. It comes up like almost like a claw, and I think it's where the plate ends slash rods end are like right there where your foot lands. It's like right, right at behind at the base of your toes, kind of. And I think it, you know, depending how the shoe fits you or whatever, that if you're landing on that for twenty miles, twenty six miles. And maybe, you know, and then maybe it's like you're not used to it either. So if out of the, like me, out of the box, you take it for a 20-mile run, maybe not the best idea. Well, I think it also, like, the metaphor I was using for it was, like, you can see someone, like, walk on, like, a bed of nails, right? Because the the pressure is dispersed on all of right. the nails. You're like, oh, my God, there's right. a million nails. How can you walk on all the million nails? Like, well, I can walk on it because there are a million nails, and the pressure mm-hmm. is dispersed on all of them. Whereas, yeah. like, I can't just walk on one nail. It's going to go right through my foot. Right, so it's right. like, that's how I viewed it. Again, that's an extreme metaphor here. But, like, that's how I kind of viewed Actually, it, like, yeah. the plate versus the rods, where it's like I'm hitting this rod in a kind of just a naturally different manner than I would a plate, which is going to disperse the force. 
Yeah. And I mean, honestly, now that you say that, I feel like maybe that's so in the first version, first two versions of the Audios Pro. So the third version is a different plate than the one you're talking about, but it's still okay. similar. So they, and this might be why they did it. The third version has more of like a cohesive unit to it. There's still the rods, but it has, at least in the peel, it has like a, like it's not just oh, rods yeah. set in the midsole. It actually has like a ties all together, almost like in a pretzel shape. And they said it's kind of to disperse that. So I wonder if that's kind of part of it is to, so they weren't, so the rods weren't so just like individualized that they could disperse the energy throughout the plate. Um, and also I think they had a problem with a lot of those rods breaking. So that's too bad. Um, I don't, I don't know I, for sure. I don't know for sure, but I definitely seen a, I think Kafuzi broke a rod in one of his. That's but, right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen a several times when people have broken the energy rod. I am not fast enough to break a carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless i right. was like literally just trying to break it like if, if someone could put enough force to break in a rod i think it's a great like a great like spot to be in i also want i want to now break the rods i'd be like look how, how much faster i've gotten look what i just right? did yeah totally with all this torque and force i'm putting on the ground so yeah i don't know where oh i, I all i had to say i really like that i did like that too a lot except for possibly that part of it um yeah Oh, okay. Continue. Continue. All right. Yeah. It, it speaks to the Lysteric Pro. That, that foam is just unbelievable. That it literally yeah, can overcome I, some of I, these flaws and still be fantastic. Totally. And I might be, I was going to say something else, but it might be your next question. So I'll, so I'll hold off on it. All right. Next question is, is there a shoe that you really, that you got and you really wanted to like, you were super pumped about it, but ultimately it just didn't get on with you? Uh... Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say, I feel like the Nike Zoom Fly is one of those um, where you think everything should line up to be an awesome shoe, and then it's just a brick. Just like, man, that shoe is just not, was not what I wanted. It looks so good. Uh, I think I'm talking about the Zoom Fly 4. And looks so good. Everything was just seemed like it was there that it needed to be. I feel like Nike does this a lot, actually. And then it just fell flat for me. I, I Actually, you know what? The Nike Invincible is that for me, for sure. Especially, I think both versions of the shoe, or I mean, all three versions of the shoe, I feel like are, it's like, yeah, you, it has a whole big thing of Zoom X. It, step in feels incredible and then it just feels flat like to me it just feels like a block just running in it you know I, I mean i know people love that too so it's just me personally for sure that it just that dude i never never yeah that was my answer too I did, I did a solo one of these and that was my answer and it was because i think especially if someone's like a four foot midfoot four foot striker it just has a huge ass. Like you can't get away from it. Like if you're, if you're yeah. a, a heel striker, it's like, Oh, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. For yeah. me, it was like, I have to like change my gait for my easy day shoe. Like, no, thanks. Like this is not going to work. And that is an interesting point, especially with re- reviewing is that though, depending how you strike, it's going to feel a lot different. So I think when I first started, I used to be 
a, a heel striker and now I'm midfoot, maybe a little bit heel, but pretty, I mean, in everything I've seen, I'm definitely more midfoot of all the footage and photos and everything. But, but I, definitely when I first started, I was more of a heel striker. And I think that might be because I like slowed down. I don't know, a couple of years ago, I started like just slowing down my runs more. So I think that just helped me, you know, I wasn't always just oversiding and stuff. Um, but anyways, all to say, I feel like when we're reviewing shoes, that it's it's hard to, you know, put that in a review. But it does the way you strike is going to make a huge difference on how a shoe feels. So just one of those things, I guess you kind of have to deal with, but can't do anything sure. about. All right, let's talk about question number four: the shoe that like, your your first love, the first running shoe that you're like, oh my god, this shoe is amazing. I like, I I always remember this shoe. For me, I, the the classic example I always use is like Thomas talking about the Kinvaras of old. Like that's like uh-huh. my go to example of what this question is. Yeah. So crazy enough, I only started running eight 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 years ago, nine years ago. Um. So the first shoe that that ever was just like truly in love with would have to be the Nike Epic React, the first first version. I felt like, and I don't know if that was the first shoe I fell in love with or the first shoe that just, it's still my all-time favorite shoe, you know? <laughs> and I, honestly, if it came out today, I probably won't even be that impressed with it, but there's probably a little nostalgia factor in there, um, or rose-colored glasses. But it's just everything. It's so simple. It's the one time a knit upper has actually worked on a shoe, in my opinion, or yeah, very few times. I feel like knit uppers can be super hit or miss. Um, and it just fit the foot perfectly. And that's, interestingly enough, that's a shoe I didn't like for the first, say, 25 miles or so, maybe even 50, like you were saying. And then I ended up falling in love with that shoe and wore it. You know, 500 miles or whatever and so that was my marathon actually my marathon prs in that shoe so yeah there you go right what what a great way to end it like if you have like a marathon pr in, a, in one of those shoes like even if it might not be a, a a hit now like it just shows how good it was also like you know you have to, have to put this stuff like in relative terms right like right. if you've only if you've only had like so you grew up in a house where they're like, hey, we only have frozen yogurt, but don't worry, it's the same as ice cream. And then like all of a sudden you're like 20 years old, you have ice cream for the first time. It might not be the best ice cream in the world, but you're like, holy cow, this is amazing. This is the best right, experience right. I've ever had. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah. Wait, was there one more question? Or was that there the is one? one more. If okay. price is no option, and I know you don't buy most of your shoes, but if price was no option for you, what shoe would you get in 2023? Obviously these can include shoes that aren't quite on the market yet that you obviously know about. Okay, uh, number one, Adidas Primex Strong 2. Not even out yet. I haven't even tried it, but I can tell you that if you're going to spend money on anything, get that shoe. <laughs> oh, um, I've, I've tried it. I tried it on at the running event, which in a size that was two sizes too big for me. Was there a video because, of this? I feel like I saw like a quick Instagram video of you. Like, it was, but they made us. They made us Apparently it was all under embargo and we, <laughs> no one told us, so we had to pull it down. Um, it was, it, the shoe that they made is that too, which I see no reason why they wouldn't. It's going to like change the running again. Wow. It's, 
going to be wow, it's so what insane. A it's so insane. That I'm, I honestly don't even know if it counts as running anymore. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> okay. It was, it felt like, and you know, we get so many shoes and everything's like, oh, this feels great. So there's, and you, but you never get a shoe that's like, this feels different than anything I've ever felt before. And that was, I felt like one of them. So we'll see. Obviously that was kind of a not finished model of this shoe. So we'll see if it still feels like that when it comes to market. I think we're getting it soon. So. Oh man. I don't think it was coming till 2024, but it actually might be coming this year. So this is super exciting. Yeah. So that's, but honestly, that shoe, that shoe might cost $400. I don't even know. It's this, this Primax Strong one was 300. So this, right. it, I've seen a reason why this wouldn't cost $350, especially because it has more components in it. So, um, so it could be three, yeah, 350, 400. I don't even know. <laughs> But if <laughs> what kind of money, I'm like trying to think like the wild stuff. There's like an AI chip that like connects to your Bluetooth tells you how to run better. It's like no, it's more it's not anything anything <laughs> new like that. But it's just a different configuration that if you thought other shoes were illegal before, <laughs> it's gonna blow that out of the water. But so it's like Adidas Adidas, Adidas Prime Strong Two Wheelie. Is it the, uh, like the yeah. wheelies in there? I'd be in then. Yeah, that's obviously I would buy that has. <laughs> rails it's like soap shoes for 2023 um but yeah that's definitely one of them and then um what's like what's another one that i was thinking i feel i mean honestly the diodora atomo v7000 is one of my favorite shoes not necessarily for running it is it's a decent running shoe but it's my favorite, like, casual walking through. And it, it, but it's fun. You can't wear it for running, and it's totally fine. It's a good running shoe. But it's the, they're made in Italy, Italy, so it's $240. So out of most people's price range, just for a casual runner, you know, like, daily, daily training slash walking shoe. But I think they look awesome, and I love the shoe. I wear I probably wear that shoe more than any other shoe that I have. So I would just in, in general, like, I love it. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was a blast. If people want to learn more about you or the things that you're doing over the Believe in the Run, where should they go? Uh, well, obviously, follow us on all our channels, Instagram, uh, website. We have a podcast as well called The Drop. It's all three of us host it. It's a good time. Not that much about running, so don't get your hopes up. Mostly about BS going on in our lives and then some running. And then we have uh, our weekly email. Again, I rate the ending to that every week. Follow me at normalforrunner at Instagram. I picked the name a long time ago. Don't touch me for it. I think there's anything else. I think there's mostly the things mainly follow Believe in the Run. You can pretty much find anything related to tangentially. All right, you're the man. Thanks again, Robbie. All right, thanks, dude.